0: Oh my god. No. The cursed sapphire by order of the Peaky Blinders. This was a brutal one, folks. Welcome into our spoiler-free podcast breaking down every single episode of this hard-to-watch 1920s family gang drama on Netflix and BBC. I'm your host Daniel Gilman
1: and I'm Josh Levy. This is uh, episode 2 of season 3. I I'm very emotional talking about this even watching it. Every time I watch this episode, I'm heartbroken. It's your girl, Josh. My girl Grace. She gets popped, man. And I, right now, I'm speechless just thinking about it. And we're gonna we're gonna break this down very in depth. This has got to be, if not, one of the most important, if not the most important episodes of the entire show, in my opinion. Just so much going on, so much plot development. We lost our girl Grace, or so we think, and. uh I don't even know where to start, Daniel.
0: This has to be the least um, expecting episode of TV that I've watched since the Red Wedding of Game of Thrones. Right. Just like out of nowhere, no, no warning whatsoever. At least when you rewatch Game of Thrones, you see that Rob Stark is, is starting to uh, like dig his own grave a little bit by, by the bad decisions he made. This Grace didn't do anything wrong and it's John instead. John should be the one taking that bullet. John is the one who is just the ultimate, I have the ultimate gripe with John in this episode. And before we dive in, go ahead and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Peaky Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at By Order of Peaky. And as always, subscribe and follow. Send us your emails about Grace, your, your theories about this episode, about you know Father Hughes, about the the, the Russians, about the Changretas. There's we get so many new characters and storylines here, so send it to us at B-O-O-T at gmail.com or just comment on social media. The description does not tell the story here, Josh. It says, A careless threat sparks a war. Tommy gets a rare form of payment, but his bosses flex their power to keep him in line. Polly commissions a portrait, and it garnered a 9.0 on IMDb directed by Tom Meatland's Written by the great Stephen Knight, who just decides to fuck us without lube today.
1: Jesus, freaking Christ, man! We just this is this is Red Wedding esque. At its its finest for all you Game of Thrones fans. And once again, I've said this over and over again. This just puts this show into a different tier by itself with Game of Thrones because you can expect the unexpected at all times, man. Ah, man, just it was so. Unnecessary could have been avoided just so easily could have been avoided with so many different things that happened. John sparks us all, and you really just don't even think about it. It's like, okay, you know, this show is not gonna you know bring down one of its greatest characters at the fault of some greed and at the fault of some you know turf war essentially you know over over Angel Angel Trangreta wanting to date Lizzie Stark. It's like no, that's that's not gonna that's not gonna to, to 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 end in Grace getting shot. But at the end of the day, that's exactly what fucking happened. We lost Grace Shelby. You know, she everything was so happy. She was doing great. She finally got her life, you know, the way she wanted. You know, they have a nice little young kid in Charlie. Oh, she's so happy. The leader of the The, Birmingham City Council's going to the big dinner. She's, you know, she's excited and she's super happy and you could see it on her face and then, you know, she just gets, you know, shot for Angel and, you know, maybe even if John didn't cut Angel Changretta's eye out, you know, even if he stuck him in the face and they, and, and, and he fought him, if he let him be, but he had to go the, the guy, had to go the extra step and he had to go the distance and take the Peaky blinder blade and cut his eye out. And that really crossed the line for Vincente. And that was it. And it's, it's just, it's so frustrating because we really could have avoided the avoided this. And you, and you grow so attached to these characters, you know, I personally, you know, in Game of Thrones, I was so attached to Daenerys Targaryen, and I loved her, you know, throughout the whole show because she was so kind-hearted and kind and, you know, gentle. She had a gentle heart, as uh, Jorah Mormont would always say, and then when I saw her going off the rails and burning down King's Landing, it it broke my heart. It genuinely broke my heart. I was upset for, like, two weeks straight every day. It was eating at, eating at me. When I watched this episode, I legitimately, like, it took me like two days to like, you know, get over it. It sounds insane, but when you, when you love a show so much and you grow so attached to it, it's just so sad to see her character arc, you know, come down to this moment. And, you know, it, it not only was it John who was at fault, but, you know, Tommy kind of, you know, allowed it to go on further, you know, you know, saying, you know, no, you know, if we, if we fall back, it shows that we're weak and it's, you know, we need to make the prospect of war hopeless for them. And so Tommy, you know, loses a, sight of what's most precious precious and important in his life. He lets his greed and power get in the way of Grace, the only thing that saved him from his previous life. You know, Grace was so instrumental in grounding him, you know, post-war. You know, he was going through so much with those PTSD flashbacks. And we haven't seen those flashbacks ever since he's been with Grace. So I'm just – I I could have a podcast just on this, on this scene, this five-minute scene.
0: Insane five minutes where – Grace introduces Tommy to the to Tatiana, the Duchess. Tatiana kind of tells him, "You know, I I'm in for the cause. I'll, I'll 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 even fuck you to get a competitive advantage." And then breaks the news that this sapphire is cursed by a gypsy, which you know hits Tommy in deep. And then the music twists. the The bells ring. They toast the king. Tommy realizes that this this, this Sapphire is going to change everything. And she's like, take off the Sapphire. And she's like, why? So you, so you can give it to Tatiana? And you're like, oh, shit. Tommy's like, he's fuck like, these people. I need you, Grace. I need you. Like, I need
1: you. I need you. And you can see it. It's like, okay, bad vibes. Bad vibes. Not that I thought that Grace was going to get shot. Not even a little but bit. I, but I knew it was bad vibes. I was like, oh, my God. Someone's going to get hurt. Something's going to happen here. Like, something's gonna someone's going to arrive at this at this dinner, this party, and – Ooh, Tatiana has has a scene here. You know, I would fuck you for the cause. What do you think about that? And you know, Tommy's just like, what the fuck is this bitch saying, man? She is wild. And the craziest part is while this all's going on, and you know, Tommy's yelling for the ambulance, the ambulance, and John and Arthur are just beating this Italian to to bits and pieces. And you know, it, it kind of you know slows down the scene. And Tatiana is just sitting there, standing there. Watching it all, basking in the glory, smoking her, you know, cigar, and and just watching it all, kind of, you know, it. You and I, on first glance, we didn't get the fur angel, right? You know, on the first watch, I wasn't
0: hundred percent sure it was the Italians that shot her. I kind of thought it was something with, I don't know, it's just something. Maybe right. it was maybe it was Be- Pat. Um, what's his name? Patrick Father- Jarvis or Hughes? Pat, yeah, any and, of that stuff. I had no idea. And then it, with I subtitles, it, it says Tatiana. For angel." Yeah. And I didn't even know who Angel was, probably, you know, when I watched it. I'll tell you, I remember watching this, okay? And I was, I binged the whole show a few years ago on an iPad going across, you know, Europe on a train. I remember so specifically this fairy tale music comes on, and I had a legitimate out of body experience, Josh. I don't even remember watching this happen. I just remember breaking down and realizing that we lost, we lost Grace. And, And, And it's just... It's all because... And we can break it down into two separate... This episode is two separate plots. We've got the Grand Duke Petrovna... And we've got Vigente Changreta, Two kind of washed up... But still powerful men. And Tommy has to deal with both of them. And he does so in different ways. And so he kind of allocates the... The discussions to Changreta. And John makes a huge... Fucking boner mistake. And threatens his son. Threatens to shoot him in the knees. acts super inappropriate... Throws away the two years of peace that started with our pilot when Danny Wisbang almost started a war between the Changretas and the Shelby's. That they mention it later, and John throws those two years of 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 peace out of the window. And it's ironic, Josh, because he does this basically because he he's laughing about him his son loving Lizzie, and John was the one who wanted I to marry it was Lizzie.
1: So ironic. I'm like, who is this guy to laugh? You know, it was I. It, it almost makes you think, like, does John still have like a tiny inkling of affinity towards Lizzie? Hundred percent. Kind of jealous. It's 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 jealousy in a way. He
0: doesn't want anyone to be with Lizzie except for him, and he obviously he likes Esme, and he's happy with that. And she's pregnant, and they're having fantastic sex in the middle of the uh, of the headquarters. But it's like, damn, uh, John fucks it all up, and then Polly makes fucks it worse. Up, Polly definitely makes it worse here, telling John to apologize.
1: Yeah, and I I I love that scene with uh with Tommy, you know, kind of laying down a law. It was family meeting, and Finn Finn got to be in a family meeting, so this is a this is a
0: big moment. developing
1: news for uh, for the character arc of Finn Shelby. He's he's you know he's getting important. He's he's growing of importance, and I I I love this scene when Tommy. Th- this was phenomenal, phenomenal writing, phenomenal acting by Killian Murphy. So should he apologize in English or Italian? Or should we ask them which fucking language they prefer? I'm not clear. The only way to guarantee peace is by making the prospect of war hopeless. If you apologize once, you do it again. And again. And again. Like taking bricks out of the wall of your fucking house. Do you want me to take the house down, Arthur? If you're soft on rebellion, it'll grow. You did the right thing, John. Now we got to go on the offensive. We take two of the Changretta pubs and we take them now. And I just wrote. I just wrote to myself, why? Why, why, why? This is what I mean by Tommy kind of lost sense of what was most important.
0: Yep, he tells Arthur to save the Bible for Sundays. I, I, John blames all of this on Linda. <laughs>
1: yeah, no. It's it's unreal. Yeah, he's, uh, uh, He he reports to the Madonna of Mosley by the strike of five. I love that line, yeah.
0: And... And and Tommy's also like, so did you listen to Mr. Apologize or Mrs. Compromise? I really like that one, talking about Polly and Arthur, who are honestly our character avatars in in this season so far, because they're the only two that make sense. And obviously, John does not apologize. Right. John goes and beats up Angel, cuts out, cuts up his face. We actually see Angel in the end of the episode getting sewn up and his father, Vincente, making plans to go back to America. So that's their plans right now. He, he says, can he get here in time? So I'm not sure who he's talking about there. So that's a huge storyline. I think we've talked a lot about that. I do have one thing to mention about Vincente Cangreta. The actor was Admiral Pyatt from Star Wars. Okay. So I don't know if you're a big Star Wars okay. guy, but I knew I knew him from something. So I, I pull up the old IMDb, I see Kenneth Colley, and I'm like, oh my god, he was in Star Wars, no wonder I recognize him. And before we dive into the other storyline, it starts off, Josh, you have something to say? Yeah,
1: there's ju- just something about that scene that I was just mentioning. I, you know, John, I mean, Tommy starts off by, you know, being a voice of reason, kind of like, John, you cut into Cangreta, even though Arthur told you not to apologize. And she told you to compromise. You chose not to listen to Mister. Apologize, Miss Compromise, and he's like, "Now I have Italians running running around my backyard saying they're gonna kill my brother. So what should I do?" So like, you know, it's it's like I thought he was pissed the f off, you know, at that moment. Like, why? What are you doing? I
0: think he was. I think he was, and then he right. realized that he has and then, to. And automate. then kind of
1: Paulie's like, "Why?" When he says, you know, you know, to to go on the offensive, and he goes, "Why?" Because we can, and if we can, then we do. And if we lift our heel off their necks now, then they'll just come at us. Remember these are the bastards that killed that wanted Danny Wisbang dead, and it just brings it all back and it kind of, you know you know when, when John when Tommy says you don't parlay when you're on the back foot? And it's just it's, it's always, always coming always back, to back to that. To so that I just bridge. thought that it was a very, you know, symbolic thing that Tommy, you know, Tommy is sticking to the way that he's always operated and it was just something that I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting him to be like, let's go on the offensive, the way that he started the conversation. So there's something just something to add there.
0: So there's the Italian storyline, and that leads to the killing of Grace. Simple as that. If you guys have anything to add to it, you can send us your feedback. We'll get it read before the 3.3 podcast. And now we can go to the other side of things, and that's kind of like a three-headed monster, starting off with our opening scene of the episode where Tommy strolls into a factory talks to the ultimate character actor in Ralph Inison, who was in Harry Potter and Game of Thrones as the guy who was yeah. convincing Theon. He, he is the reason why Game of Thrones turned into a shit show. It, it, yeah. He's the reason why Reek oh, 100%. happened. He was
1: the reason why uh, Reek was formed and he got his 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 man parts cut, chopped off. And, you know, it's funny, is like... I don't think they've ever said his name in Game of Thrones, like like his actual name. Like you have to look up guy who was involved in getting Theon, you know, yep. kidnapped. Dagmer Clef-Jaw. Clefjaw. Like I didn't remember them calling him Dagmer Clefjaw.
0: All time name, and he was also in Chernobyl too. He so he he's the head of the factory, and Tommy kind of threatens his family and says that if he wants his family to be safe, he has to give Tommy the names of all the communists that are in that factory so he can fire them before they rob tanks. So there's the robbery. They're going to fucking rob these tanks that Tatiana wants to see at the end of the episode that Tommy thinks is a bad idea. And so that's going to trigger our Father Hughes. you know, Russian, Georgian storyline. And before we get to Father Hughes, because we're going to spend a lot of time on that, we could spend a little bit of time on the Grand Duke and his wife, who kind of run things here. The wife, the wife Isabella, is the real brain in the balls behind this, making the deal, giving Tommy that sapphire, which is cursed. Tommy meets with the Grand Duke at this this fancy dining hall where we find out that the Grand Duke is poor and has all of these debts and tabs, and Tommy drops a big wad of cash and and we see the Grand Duke eating caviar and, and she's the he's the uncle to the Duchess, and all this kind of mixes together, and that's who is hiring Tommy to to put forward this, which is all set together by the uh, the section D.
1: And this was he was he wasn't just eating caviar, he was chomping was down, scarfing it down for such a small little dude. But uh this was this was a, a scene where Tommy kind of lays down the law to him and He's like, oh, I will be dining here a lot to, to the guys. So we kind of get that foreshadowing that there's gonna be this isn't this isn't just this isn't this is the beginning and not even close to the end of the business that they'll have, you know, with the Russians and in the Bolsheviks. And the the line at the end where, you know, Tommy's kind of you know telling him, I know about you. He 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 read up on him and I actually paused the screen to see what Tommy was reading when he met with Ada in the library to see because Tommy does his homework. And it says, you know, this is about his name is Leon, I don't, Leon Petru, whatever. His name is born in, Petrovna yeah, no, Petru, whatever. Born in 1882 to the Duke and Duchess Petrovich Romanov. He was educated like all Russian aristocracy at home by various Russian and foreign teachers and lecturers. One of the most hated figures amongst the people before the revolution, and stories of his cruelty and excess were famous. And he asks Ada, "Can I rip this page out?" And she's like, "No, you're in a library." <laughs> yeah. And he yells, "He's like, I was like, blah, blah, blah and he's like, "Shh, <laughs> you're in a library." He's but, like, "Tommy Shelby in a library." Yeah. So he does his homework on him, and he reveals this to him at that little meeting they have, and kind of tells him, like, you know, don't you're not gonna you're not gonna fool me. I know about you. You kind of need me right now. I don't need you. You need me, and. He tells Tommy, you know, small. He's like small and weak. We are not basically like we we are not small and weak. And Tommy uses that same line uh, when he talks to his family. You know, we're not small and weak. That's that's not nothing that we will ever be. So it's just he goes, we will never be soft and weak again. Do you understand? And so even though he kind of has Tommy has him on the back foot, he's kind of letting him know, like, yeah, you know, I I might be in some trouble right now, and I I might need you, but don't fuck with me, kind of thing. So.
0: Yep, Tommy rides this power high the whole episode. He kind of calls out the 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 big the big dick, uh, Grand Duke. He says, "You're not a Romanov. You're a Georgian. Let's get this thing straight. You're pretending to be poor and you're using this free, you know, mansion from Britain by, with all of these lies." And that's when Isabella says at the end, "You're going to have to kill Tommy. You're Thomas Shelby yourself." And you could see it in his eyes. He can't kill. This isn't a killer. This is a guy who likes to crack jokes such as Russian women know how to hold it. I know exactly when to let that it go.
1: <laughs> Your cock, I mean. That was great, and I mean, his wife is freaking batshit.
0: You can tell she's someone who likes to hold it and and let go whenever whenever it, it fancies her. Yeah. And
1: although she's smart, she's got it. She's got a couple screws loose. That's all I gotta say. And
0: Tommy also uses a little bit of uh, his power-hungry ways in his conversation with Grace at the end, where he's like, "Did you have a successful day? Well, I measure success in sapphires."
1: Boom! 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 Take it out. Whip it out. Whips it out, and she's like, "Oh, oh, okay. That's uh, it's very big. It's very pretty. It's very blue. It's a fat sapphire, and turns it turns into a necklace for her, and she will wear it on wear it that night. And little do we know that it's cursed, and that's why I thought that initially it was the Russians who shot who shot Grace because Tatiana knew that it was cursed, and she when she when she's like." I would never wear it in a million years. I'm like Jesus. Like she is crazy. So, still, just like when I think about it, her getting shot, I'm just stressed out.
0: All right, here we go. Now we have to get into it. This is most likely going to be the main protagonist or antagonist, I should say, of this season. And for those like me that were very confused about Father Hughes in this episode, we've got Josh to explain it for us. Because I think I think Josh has has a pretty nice. Understanding of section D, where they fall into this storyline, especially, and whether they were working for Tommy, for Churchill, for the Russians, for the Georgians. Go ahead and explain it.
1: So it's very confusing. I had, I just literally went back and watched this episode and wrote the conversation between Hughes and Tommy word by word because, you know, when you first see it on first glance, you're like, who the hell is this priest? Like, what, why is he important and what is he talking about?
0: And he kind of looks like that guy in the season two finale, remember? That we talked about.
1: Wait, which, which guy? Again? He kind of looks
0: like the the guy that that saved Tommy's life. Oh, like, Winston right, Churchill right, hired. Right, yes. He, he, he kind of
1: does. He, he actually does. And he has this thick this thick Irish accent and talks about, you know, the Economic League uh and that, you know, Tommy's only heard of them as Section D. And so you, you kind of wondering who are these people and here and they're also referred to as the odd fellows and Hughes says, "You know, since the ele- since the election, the government has decided that we are the enemy, and when all when all we have tried to do is save the country from revolution." So, F- Hughes is aligned with Section D and the Economic League and the Odd Fellows. They're kind of all the same people, and so that's that's the those are the people he's seeking that he's speaking for. And Patrick Jarvis MP, who we see later in the episode, Tommy and and uh, Hughes meet with uh, behind closed quarters at the dinner. And they want the the tanks to be moved to the Russians and the Bolsheviks to incite basically a revolution, uh, within the country.
0: So the Russians are different than the Bolsheviks, or are they the same?
1: The Russians and the Bolsheviks are the same. No, are they? Oh, it's so confusing.
0: No, I think they're. I think they're. I think they're in okay, war so, with each
1: other. Like, so the, Hughes wants the Russians and the Bolsheviks to be at war, or they they want the Bolsheviks to be at war with like England.
0: I think they want England to be at war with the. Russians, So I think what they're going to do is steal these tanks for the Bolsheviks from the Russians. Because right now England and the Russians are at peace. And I think it's in their greater, I think it's in Winston Churchill and the Economic, the Economic League's greater interest to have the English and the Russians not be at peace. So we can talk more about this as as we learn more about it. Obviously, Josh and I have seen the episodes and seen the seasons, but still, you guys might need a little bit of enlightening. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I think that's what it's. I think that's what it is. I think they're going to steal it for the right. Bolsheviks, and the Russians are going to be mad at the English for doing right. it. Right, and he, even though the English are, the English are going to say no, we didn't do it, but yes, they're going to do it under under conspicuous and yeah situations. And and Tommy's got a great line. He's like he really hates him because they threaten his son. They put this card under Charlie's. You know, Pillow calling it the what the Tooth Fairy, and it's basically a threat towards his son. And the actor's name is Paddy Constantine, and he's he's an award-winning actor around UK. He's fantastic around Ireland. And and Tommy goes, there is hell, and there is another place below hell. I will never forget. Yeah, and
1: you know, I mean, earlier in the in the conversation in the episode, he he warns Tommy of these of like how powerful these people people are, and he tells him, you know, you will learn that these fellows are too grand for the clock to govern them. You'll get used to meeting in small hours of the morning. They are like monks. So when is your charitable institute opening? And Tommy's like, when I fucking say. And he's like, well, I will stop by from time to time to hear confessions from the little creatures. And you will meet Patrick Jarvis MP in the near future. He'll, pro- he'll probably become a trustee. It's just his thing to stop by in the evening after a few drinks. We'll make it a formal arrangement as part of the bigger deal between us. I will have an office there. And Tommy's like super pissed and he turns around he spits the ground. And you know, Hughes tells him, "My God, the devil gets into you, doesn't it, boy?" He goes, "Mister Shelby, if I want to play the squire in your place of false charity, I will." And it's just like, yeah.
0: And, and Tommy, Tommy's losing control, and he hates—he hates to lose control. And this is the second season in a row that we're starting to see these these actions being dictated for him, and Father Hughes doing this all on on under his own guise. Tommy has no say in it, and that's why at the end of the last episode, Polly's like. You know, you really want to do this robbery. We realize Tommy doesn't have a choice. He has to do this robbery. He owes Winston Churchill his life, and Churchill's got him lined up for this. And even when, even when uh, Tatiana's like, "What does pump for money mean?" and Tommy's like, "It's what I do every day."
1: Yeah, I love that. It's it is it is true. And this this huge storyline. I mean, we haven't really seen somebody. You know, we we used to see Inspector Campbell kind of, you know, make digs at Tommy and you know have him kind of on the back foot at times. But never did you really get the sense that Tommy was gonna, you know, cave to Campbell. And Hughes is such a powerful figure. And when you have politics on your side and you have people of power like that are in corrupt positions, it 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 makes you very nervous for Tommy because he can't really say no to their demands because they have power by their side and. It's it's like the first time we've seen Tommy, you know, kind of have to succumb to that.
0: Anything else you have to say about? I mean, they met three times in this episode, so it's clear that they're going right. to introduce him, and he is he is going to be a big a big character. The fact that they met three separate times with Tommy.
1: Right, and he well, when he has the Scotland Yard uh, come in, uh, come flex, and,
0: flex the muscles,
1: right, can take take him away, and you know, he's like, you have the local police in your back pocket, but well, we have Scotland Yard which is definitely important. And he, and he's, he meets him with that, with that dog, which I, I don't know what kind of dog it is, but it's definitely, you know, a dog that, that feeds on its prey for sure. And it licks its chops and he's like, sit boy. And he's like, we're talking, he's like, so I was talking to you, Mr. Shelby, not the dog. And it oh, was, wow. yeah, and it was, and it was, and it was a, it was a, a cat. It was, it was a, it was a back, back and forth here. It was, it was, both of them had some lines and he tells him, you know, he knew that he visited Ada at the library and he tells him that, he goes, your sister is a potential se- security breach. She has connections with the Bolsheviks in London, who have connections with the Soviet embassy. And Tommy interrupts him, just like acting like he didn't listen to a word he said. He goes, I think I'll call your dog boy. You love your boy, don't you? And then he tells Tommy, understand this. You have the local police in your pocket, as we said.
0: Yeah, Tommy Tommy thinks that he can dictate things with Father Hughes, and I just don't think it's going to happen in Tommy's right. favor. And-
1: he brings out the gypsy witchcraft, which when Tommy brings out gypsy witchcraft, he and he says something in Romany and he clicks his tongue kind of thing and you know he says, you know, I've he goes, I know when dogs go mad, you know, when when they're at tunnels, they go fucking mad. He goes, You know that feeling when you have to kill or be killed? Let the dog off the leash. Give the order you give in Gaelic, like I'm told you do when someone displeases you, when someone reports you and he just goes, Visit your sister again and she will die crossing the road Like Yes, it's like
0: right when you think Tommy's got the upper hand because he can speak dog almost, you know, Mr. Hughes is just right back saying we don't care about that, and I think we've got it. I got to check in with a few other people going on. Michael is still sleeping with that teenager girl. Her name's Charlotte.
1: Her father and sells cars. Her father sells <laughs>
0: cars. I don't know if that's a lie or not, but I I, I looked her up. Her name is Stephanie Higham. She's been in some stuff. I knew I knew I recognized her. She was in an episode of Sherlock, a fantastic mm-hmm. show that I watch, a BBC show about Sherlock Holmes. You guys all need to watch it. It's on Netflix. She was in, and she was a recurring character in Bodyguard, another fantastic BBC show. Where for you guys, you know, listening over there in UK that love Bodyguard as well, Richard Madden, main character, loved the show. She was the uh, Personal assistant to the main um, per, uh, home secretary, the main character. So she was in it a few times. Her name was Chanel. So just a little tidbit there. And then we see Polly, and Polly is gonna have a portrait drawn by that Ruben guy, and she pulls out her best dress for it. And for that, Polly's my winner. We don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of stuff to talk about winners and losers here because Polly just it, it, no one really does anything winner worthy. But I think Polly kind of wins here. She gets to meet her, her, her suitor, the guy that she wanted to sleep with, and Josh. As tough as it is to say, Polly hated Grace, so I don't think she's gonna be too sad about the loss of of this spy that she never really liked.
1: I like honestly disagree with that because what she like she like okay she's not happy that Grace has gone you know she was obs- I disagree you know, I think she a hated lot Grace. of time has come and gone she she wasn't you know the the biggest fan of Grace but she was happy that Grace made Tommy happy. I don't know. I don't know. Like, L-
0: last episode was maybe a week ago in, in, in Peaky Blinders time, and Polly was an absolute bitch to Grace.
1: I mean, for sure, because she's always a bitch. You know, that's just, you know, another day and, you know, that's just a Tuesday, Polly being a bitch. But, I mean, I okay, like, she wasn't the biggest fan of her, and she always had that in the back of her mind, but Grace grounded Tommy, and Grace made Tommy happy, and, you know— T- t- took him away from from his tough times, and I think that, that at the end of the day, that that's what Polly really cares about is you know her family being happy. I don't know, that's just me. I,
0: I, I just remember the standoff that Polly and Grace had in in the end of season one, and then in the first episode of season three, Grace got some information from Polly, and Grace is like, "Don't feel bad, it's what I do for a living," and Polly's like, "Don't worry, I other people might have forgotten, but I'll never forget that that's that's who you really are." So whatever, Polly's Polly's my winner here. There is definitely a conversation for us to be had about Grace. I'm trying to decide whether we should have it this episode or next episode. I think,
1: yeah, I I think we can save it for next episode since we... There's just so much yeah. going on in this episode. Right, it's just so much.
0: Yeah, Who, who's your winner? I want to do some quotes but but let's do winners and losers right. here.
1: My winner is uh, Father Hughes. Father Hughes, as much as he's the biggest scumfuck in this show, you know, t- up to date, he's the he's the scummiest character that we that, that we have met, in my opinion. Even he even though we just got introduced to him,
0: he's such a little snarky little shithead, and his accent. He's got. I mean, I don't want to be stereotypical about priests, right? And Catholic he, priests, but he's got the rapey vibe.
1: Yeah, and and like I think that's what Tommy meant when he was like, uh, he's like, when you call him boy, he's like, you like, he's like, you like calling him boy, don't you? Like you know what I mean? Uh, I think I think yeah. that that might have been a little subliminal. Uh, jab at him but I mean he's my winner because he has the upper hand on Tommy and he's he's he has Tommy doing doing the dirty work for him getting the tanks you know you know you know dealing dealing with Tatiana and you know all of of those dealings are going to run through Tommy and he has him doing exactly what he wants exactly at what time and you know all these important people have you know faith in Mr. Hughes to do the job and he's he's instilling that fear towards Tommy which we haven't seen and so if you're going to if you're gonna, you know, instill fear in Tommy and have him a little, you know, shaking in his boots, you're, you're, you're a winner in my book. Even though I fucking can't stand him.
0: And I have a feeling that everyone in the world is gonna have the same loser. So let's say it at the same, same moment. You ready? One, two, three. John. John. Oh, fucking John, such a man. Damn
1: idiot, man.
0: Fuck. God, why, 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 why? He botches everything, and you know what the craziest part is? Arthur, who has no brain. Even he knew it right when John went too far and right when Vincente Cangrata said, too far, that's enough. Sabini tells me to bite my tongue, but you have gone too far. And you know what he yeah. did? He threatened to freaking paralyze the guy.
1: It's, it's just like, it's just so unnecessary. It's like, what are you, what are you gaining? And it, it's it's not a nit to pick. I mean, I don't- He's all. a big we, dick. He's, right. he's just
0: trying, to, he's just trying to, to flex. And he's also like 26 years old. So he's just it's, a young idiot. Right.
1: And it, it reminds me of when, you know- Arthur and John burned down the Marquise of 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 Lorne when, when they burned down the pub for literally no reason. It was like it, it was just a why, why, why unnecessary thing. And it's just, again, so unnecessary and so avoidable. And, you know, obviously hindsight's 2020 and what it was gonna, you know, end up in, but you know the Changretas aren't, you know, some aren't pussyfooting around. They're not just gonna take anything lightly. So when you tell Vincente Chingretta, that you're going to shoot his son in both kneecaps and he's not going to be able to walk. You know, he's not going to take that kindly. And when you cut his damn eye out, he's not going to take that kindly. So, you know, maybe you should think twice.
0: Not to mention, that you I mean, this was like a family friend. He's referenced that they used to go to his house and borrow his adult clothes to look like an adult and we're going to learn later in the season, the more ties that they have with the Changretas. So this is just a boneheaded move. And my favorite my favorite line of the episode goes right into you talking about burning down the Marquise of Lorne. This is my favorite line. I only really wrote down a few quotes, so you might have some more ones. But this is my favorite one, and it's when Arthur's sitting on the, in the table with Linda, getting ready to go out and burn down those two or take over the two pubs when he goes to meet up with Moss. And Linda goes, Arthur working in the dark is for the devil and I could just I could just see that right I'm like wow that hits hard because Arthur knows it and he doesn't have a choice
1: he looks like shook when he's sitting at the table knowing that he has to go you know conduct this business that he doesn't want to and I love the shot when they're doing doing the deed and the blood is like all over his knuckles and it's the metaphorical you know you got blood on your hands and he's he he's, he's has, he has that internal dilemma of not wanting to do it, but he has to because, you know, and it goes back to episode one when he tells Tommy, you know, I got to do your like dirty work, you know, and I don't want to do it. But so he's battling that in, internally. And that was a great quote, you know, working in the darkest for the devil, even though Linda's, you know, crazy she looks crazy and she's uh she she speaks the gospel it's true working at the darkest for the devil and we see a lot of moments in this show that when it's dark and it's nighttime bad things happen so and my favorite quote of the episode from our guy moss who we had a nice little return last episode is when he tells arthur he's like because when he tells him to put a couple extra uh to to a, to a clear his men from the anich's pub where, where he wants to do the business he tells him I, I thought you boys were a bit too grand for this sort of things these days kind of like you know I I you know you guys are such big players why are you why are you you know getting your hands dirty and and messing with pubs and and doing this bad work and he tells him mind you I think tommy enjoys the sport and it puts things in perspective kind of like when I thought oh I, I didn't think tommy would want to be on the offensive and Moss puts it perfectly you know tommy you know deep down does really enjoy the sporting business he really does enjoy you know getting the upper hand being on the offensive and making the prospect of war hopeless as he said he loves it so it was just something that you know moss is like a voice of reason and really puts things into perspective and i think he's a very important underrated character in that aspect so it was just a great line you know yeah you know what fuck it he tommy's gonna do this you know till the day he
0: dies Sorry, guys, no Johnny Dogs um, this episode, so the closest thing that I could find is uh, Esme, Esme deciding that she's pregnant, she wants to have sex whenever she wants, and she, there's too many kids running around her house, so her and John decide to, uh, to get down and dirty right in the middle of their headquarters when, uh, when Tommy walks in and is like, you guys have a fucking bloody house, and Esme's like, there's kids there, and John goes, you have maids for that. And that just ding, ding, ding. The, maid, the Maids of ding, Birmingham. The it's na- got a TV show going.
1: <laughs> the Nannies of Birmingham. You know, we should really, you know, get, speak it into existence. It's going to happen. The Maids of Birmingham, the spinoff. It's going to be great. Uh, there's also, I mean, some, some great lines that Tommy has where, you know, when, as we discussed, Tatiana says, I would fuck you for the cause. What do you think of that? And he goes, I think you should not drink vodka with champagne. And you kind of, you know... You never mix beer and liquor. You never mix, you know, liquor and uh and champ. You know, it's never good to mix. And so Tatiana, you know, even though she's already crazy to begin with, he's like, you're crazy. Like, don't speak like that to me, especially in the same room as my wife.
0: We haven't even seen the beginning of crazy Tatiana either. Uh, I do want to have one more to add. When Polly is, is forcing John to apologize, she starts off the conversation by telling him that his idiot brother-in-law, one of the Lee brothers, decided instead of – you know inserting the cocaine into the horse that was supposed to win he decided to do it himself with his friends and so he's got to punish him and i was like oh (laughs) fucking lees
1: and 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 that's very funny since i think i don't remember which episode when i was like how how do they fix races and they shoot them up with cocaine and justified when who won the triple crown was failed a drug test like the day after we dropped that pod and it was just like, there you go. to Justify get shot off with cocaine? They fixed that race. It still goes on to, to this day. So that was funny. I thought that was a little funny, a little uh, good timing on our part.
0: Yep, 100 years later. So there we go. Man, we kept this episode under 40 minutes. So I'm proud of that. We knew we, we had a lot to talk about. before. You know what I wanted to do? Before we get our grace topic, we're going to have a grace debate in 3.3. I want to hear you guys' opinion. I, this is the big question, okay? It's going to be whether you think – that Grace had a bigger story arc, w- whether she could have lasted four, five, six seasons in Peaky Blinders, because I'm not sure. I think she was. I think she is built for a two, three season run in this show. While Josh thinks she could have gone the distance. So let's get your take on it. I really want to get this conversation going in three point three.
1: I was just so like drawn to her, and like she's like you. You have that like emotional attachment to a character. Like we've just gone through so much with Grace, so it was just. Maybe it was, like, my emotions getting the best of me and wanting to see more of her, and I was just so, like, you know, shell-shocked by it. But, yeah, we would love to hear that feedback, you know, if you think that she could be in Season 5 right now. I mean, you know, so... It's very, it's very interesting to see.
0: Yeah, especially because, I mean, my take is just, obviously we know what Josh's opinion is, and I love her too, but it's just my take is that her feud with the fact that she was spying on this family, I don't know how far she could have gone, and a big thing was we went 32 minutes in her final episode ever without even seeing her.
1: That was one thing that I also, so when I was re-watching the episode, I was like, okay, we've seen so much that's happened. There's only five minutes left in the episode like, I cannot believe that they, like, had this happen so far into the end of the episode. Like, it was that's what made it even more unexpected. It's like, okay, five more minutes, no one's going to die, you know, at this gathering. It's all good. But... Damn, this this has got to go in the history books as a top five episode of the show. That's you know not a finale for sure.
0: For sure. And it got a 9.0 on IMDb accordingly. Could have
1: been higher. I mean, for for me, it's like a 9.6. This
0: is an all-time episode. And so we're gonna break down episode 3.3 next time. So keep an eye out for that. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash peaky podcast on Twitter at Buy Order of Peaky and send us your feedback at B-O-O-T Peaky Blinders at gmail.com. Hit follow, hit subscribe, and just tell one person who loves Tommy Shelby like Cliff Kingsbury does. Tommy Shelby is his favorite actor, his favorite show, the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals and NFL team over here in the States. He's Josh, I'm Daniel, and we binge so you don't have to.  ¶